section forty six of the united states this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the world story volume twelve the united states edited by eva march tappan section forty six sunday in the new england colonies seventeenth century by alice morse earl the first building used as a church at the plymouth colony was the fort and to it the pilgrim fathers and mothers and children walked on sunday reverently and gravely three in a row the men fully armed with swords and guns till they built a meeting-house in sixteen forty eight in other new england settlements the first services were held in tents under trees or under any shelter the settler who had a roomy house often had also the meeting the first boston meeting-house had mud walls a thatched roof and earthen floor it was used till sixteen forty and some very thrilling and inspiring scenes were enacted within its humble walls usually the earliest meeting-houses were log-houses with clay-filled chinks and roofs thatched with reeds and long grass like the dwelling-houses at salem is still preserved one of the early churches the second and more dignified form of new england meeting-houses was usually a square wooden building with a truncated pyramidal roof surmounted often with a belfry which served as a lookout station and held a bell from which the bell rope hung down to the floor in the centre of the church aisle the old church at hingham massachusetts still standing and still used is a good specimen of this shape it was built in sixteen eighty one and is known as the old ship and is a comely and dignified building as more elegant and costly dwelling-houses were built so were better meeting-houses and the third form with lofty wooden steeple at one end in the style of architecture invented by sir christopher wren after the great fire of london multiplied and increased until every town was graced with an example in all these the main body of the edifice remained as bare prosaic and undecorated as were the preceding churches while all the ambition of both builders and congregation spent itself in the steeple these were so varied and at times so beautiful that a chapter might be written on new england steeples the old south church of boston is a good example of this school of ecclesiastical architecture and is a well-known historic building as well the earliest meeting-houses had oiled paper in the windows and when glass came in it was not set with putty but was nailed in the windows had what were termed heavy current side shutters the outside of the meeting-house was not coloured or stained as it was then termed but was left to turn grey and weather-stained and sometimes moss-covered with the dampness of the great shadowing hemlock and fir-trees which were usually planted around new england churches the first meeting-houses were often decorated in a very singular and grotesque manner rewards were paid by all the early towns 
for killing wolves and any person who killed a wolf brought the head to the meeting-house and nailed it to the outer wall the fierce grinning heads and splashes of blood made a grim and horrible decoration all kinds of notices were also nailed to the meeting-house door where all of the congregation might readily see them notices of town meetings prohibitions from selling guns to the indians notices of intended marriages vendues etc it was the only meeting-place the only method of advertisement in front of the church was usually a row of stepping-stones or horse-blocks for nearly all came on horseback and often on the meeting-house green stood the stocks pillory and whipping-post a verse from an old-fashioned hymn reads thus new england's sabbath day is heaven-like still and pure when israel walks the way up to the temple's door the time we tell when they're to come by beat of drum or sounding shell the first church at jamestown virginia gathered the congregation by beat of drum but while attendants of the episcopal roman catholic and dutch reformed churches in the new world were in general being summoned to divine service by the ringing of a bell hung either over the church or in the branches of a tree by its side new england puritans were summoned as the hymn relates by drum or horn or shell the shell was a great conch shell and a man was hired to blow it a mournful sound at the proper time which was usually nine o'clock in the morning in stockbridge massachusetts the church shell was afterwards used for many years as a signal to begin and stop work in the haying field in windsor connecticut a man walked up and down on a platform on the top of the meeting-house and blew a trumpet to summon worshippers many churches had a church drummer who stood on the roof or in the belfry and drummed a few raised a flag as a summons or fired a gun within the meeting-house all was simple enough raftered walls puncheons and sanded or earthen floors rows of benches a few pews all of unpainted wood and a pulpit which was usually a high desk overhung by a heavy sounding board which was fastened to the roof by a slender metal rod the pulpit was sometimes called a scaffold when pews were built they were square with high partition walls and had narrow uncomfortable seats round three sides the word was always spelled pew p u e and they were sometimes called pits a little girl in the middle of this century attended a service in an old church which still retained the old-fashioned square pews she exclaimed in a loud voice what must i be shut in a closet and sit on a shelf these narrow shelf-like seats were usually hung on hinges and could be turned up against the pew walls during the long psalm tunes and prayers so the members of the congregation could lean against the pew walls for support as they stood when the seats were let down they fell with a heavy slam that could be heard half a mile away in the summer-time when the windows of the meeting-house were open lines from an old poem read and when at last the loud amen fell from aloft how quickly then the seats came down with heavy rattle like musketry in fiercest battle 
a few of the old-time meeting-houses with high pulpit square pews and deacons seats still remain in new england and fully illustrate the words of the poet old house of puritanic wood through whose unpainted windows streamed on seats as primitive and rude as jacob's pillow when he dreamed the white and undiluted day the seats were carefully and thoughtfully assigned by a church committee called the seating committee the best seats being given to older persons of wealth and dignity who attended the church whittier wrote of this custom in the goodly house of worship where in order due and fit as by public vote directed classed and ranked the people sit mistress first and goodwife after clerkly squire before the clown from the brave coat laced embroidered to the gray coat shading down many of the plans for seating the meeting-house have been preserved the pews and their assigned occupants are clearly designated in the early meeting-houses men and women sat on separate sides of the meeting-house as in quaker meetings till our own time sometimes a group of young women or of young men were permitted to sit in the gallery together little girls sat beside their mothers or on footstools at their feet or sometimes on the gallery stairs and i have heard of a little cage or frame to hold puritan babies in meeting boys did not sit with their families but were in groups by themselves usually on the pulpit and gallery stairs where tithing men watched over them in salem in sixteen seventy six it was ordered by the town that all ye boys of ye town are appointed to sit upon ye three pair of stairs in ye meeting-house william lord is appointed to look after ye boys upon ye pulpit stairs in stratford the tithing man was ordered to watch over youths of disorderly carriage and see they behave themselves comely and use such raps and blows as is in his discretion meet in durham any misbehaving boy was punished publicly after the service was over we would nowadays scarcely seat twenty or thirty active boys together in church if we wished them to be models of attention and dignified behaviour but after the boys seats were removed from the pulpit stairs they were all turned in together in a boy's pew in the gallery there was a boy's pew in windsor connecticut as late as eighteen forty five and pretty noisy it usually was a certain small boy in connecticut misbehaved himself one sunday and his wickedness was specified by the justice of peace as follows a rude and idle behaviour in the meeting-house such as smiling and larfing and enticing others to the same evil such as larfing or smiling or pulling the hair of his neighbour benoni simpkins in the time of public worship such as throwing sister pentecost perkins on the ice it being sabbath day between the meeting-house and his place of abode i can picture well the wicked scene poor meek little benoni simpkins trying to behave well in meeting and not cry out when the young wanton gospeller pulled her hair and unfortunate sister perkins tripped up on the ice by the young rascal another vain youth in andover massachusetts was brought up before the magistrate and it was charged that he sported and played and by indecent gestures and wry faces caused laughter and misbehaviour in the beholders the girls were just as wicked they slammed down the pew seats tabitha morgus of norwich 
profaned the lord's day by her rude and indecent behaviour in laughing and playing in ye time of service on long island godless boys ran races on the sabbath and talked of vain things and as for albany children they played hooky and coasted down hill on sunday to the scandal of every one evidently except their parents when the boys were separated and families sat in pews together all became orderly in meeting the deacons sat in a deacon's pew just in front of the pulpit sometimes also there was a deaf pew in front for those who were hard of hearing after choirs were established the singers seats were usually in the gallery and high up under the beams and aloft sat the negroes and indians if any person seated himself in any place which was not assigned to him he had to pay a fine usually of several shillings for each offence but in old newbury men were fined as high as twenty-seven pounds each for persistent and unruly sitting in seats belonging to other members the churches were all unheeded few had stoves until the middle of this century the chill of the damp buildings never heated from autumn to spring and closed and dark throughout the week was hard for every one to bear in some of the early log-built meeting-houses fur bags made of wolf-skins were nailed to the seats and in winter church attendants thrust their feet into them dogs too were permitted to enter the meeting-house and lie on their master's feet dog-whippers or dog-pelters were appointed to control and expel them when they became unruly or unbearable women and children usually carried foot-stoves which were little pierced metal boxes that stood on wooden legs and held hot coals during the noon intermission the half-frozen church attendants went to a neighbouring house or tavern or to a noon house to get warm a noon house or sabbath-day house as it was often called was a long low building built near the meeting-house with horse stalls at one end and a chimney at the other in it the farmers kept says one church record their duds and horses a great fire of logs was built there each sunday and before its cheerful blaze noonday luncheons of brown bread doughnuts or gingerbread were eaten and foot-stoves were filled boys and girls were not permitted to indulge in idle talk in those noon houses much less to play often two or three families built a noon house together or the church built a society house and there the children had a sermon read to them by a deacon during the nooning sometimes the children had to explain aloud the notes they had taken during the sermon in the morning thus they throve as a minister wrote on the good fare of brown bread and the gospel there was no nearer approach to a sunday school until this century the services were not shortened because the churches were uncomfortable by the side of the pulpit stood a brass-bound hour-glass which was turned by the tithing man or clerk but it did not hasten the closing of the sermon sermons two or three hours long were customary and prayers from one to two hours in length when the first church in woburn was dedicated the minister preached a sermon nearly five hours long a dutch traveller recorded a prayer four hours long on a fast day many prayers were two hours long the doors were closed and watched by the tithing man and none could leave 
even if tired or restless unless with good excuse the singing of the psalms was tedious and unmusical just as it was in churches of all denominations both in america and england at that date singing was by ear and very uncertain and the congregation had no notes and many had no psalm-books and hence no words so the psalms were lined or deaconed that is a line was read by the deacon and then sung by the congregation some psalms when lined and sung occupied half an hour during which the congregation stood there were but eight or nine tunes in general use and even these were often sung incorrectly there were no church organs to help keep the singers together but sometimes pitch-pipes were used to set the key bass viols clarinets and flutes were played upon at a later date in meeting to help the singing violins were too associated with dance music to be thought decorous for church music still the new england churches clung to and loved their poor confused psalm singing as one of their few delights and whenever a puritan even in road or field heard the distant sound of a psalm tune he removed his hat and bowed his head in prayer contributions at first were not collected by the deacons but the entire congregation one after another walked up to the deacon's seat and placed gifts of money goods wampum or promissory notes in a box when the services were ended all remained in the pews until the minister and his wife had walked up the aisle and out of the church the strict observance of sunday as a holy day was one of the characteristics of the puritans any profanation of the day was severely punished by fine or whipping citizens were forbidden to fish shoot sail row dance jump or ride save to and from church or to perform any work on the farm an infinite number of examples might be given to show how rigidly the laws were enforced the use of tobacco was forbidden near the meeting-house these laws were held to extend from sunset on saturday to sunset on sunday for in the first instructions given to governor endicott by the company in england it was ordered that all in the colony cease work at three o'clock in the afternoon on saturday the puritans found support of this belief in the scriptural words the evening and the morning were the first day a sabbath day in the family of reverend john cotton was thus described by one of his fellow ministers he began the sabbath at evening therefore then performed family duty after supper being longer than ordinary in exposition after which he catechized his children and servants and then returned to his study the morning following family worship being ended he retired into his study until the bell called him away upon his return from meeting where he had preached and prayed some hours he returned again into his study the place of his labour and prayer unto his favourite devotion where having a small repast carried him up for his dinner he continued until the tolling of the bell the public service of the afternoon being over he withdrew for a space to his pre-mentioned oratory for his sacred addresses to god as in the forenoon then came down repeated the sermon in the family prayed after supper sang a psalm and toward bedtime betaking himself again to his study he closed the day with prayer thus he spent the sabbath 
continually end of section forty six this recording is in the public domain